With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouts of Tommies on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed, and this is the episode where we talk about um, a 3-1 win. But that doesn't really narrow it down, does it? Because, like, well, we've just had our fourth 3-1 win in a row, um, three of which we've came from a goal down to win, uh, one of which we got pegged back to 1-1 before taking it. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about the last two because we've already done the previous two. Uh, Jay, that, um, I don't know, the one that's sticking in the mind at the moment, though I suppose we'll talk about first, is the most recent one. Uh, League Cup, Leicester City, they were a, been a bit of a bogey team in some ways for us last couple of seasons when they were in the Premier League. Just one of those teams that can kind of upset you, I would say. Um, I wasn't sure what kind of lesson we'd get last night, but um, yeah, they had us worried for about, well, they had us worried briefly because it was just, it, it started badly and... Um, by the end of the game, looking back on that first few minutes, you think, well, that was just a blip because they, they don't know whether they're a shadow of their old self or we're so much better or what, but we had that game well under control. We did, um, in the end. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a new feature, if anyone's been into our field this season, where um, the scoreboard clock, when it gets to half-time, like oh, 45 minutes um, and 90 minutes, and the board goes up for whatever amount of time, said referee in the middle of the side they want to add on um, for whatever reasons they may desire um, the clock continues to run so yeah. in previous years it would have been 45 and stopped dead the board would go up you know three minutes of added on time whatever so forth and you're basically sort of left you know sort of scratching your head at a, are we two minutes into it three yeah, minutes into it whatever you've got to clock what time the kickoff was haven't you and then try and like work out maths what yeah, so- what's left that that's a new feature which a is good because you know it it can give you the guidance as to to how long is left. However, I think Liverpool should probably start that clock on forty six minutes <laughs> when we kick off at the first whistle because all of a sudden you know we, we turn into the second half team and we turn into a different animal. Um, whether we can sort of get away with that, I doubt it. But you know, three minutes in yesterday, ball down, you know, bit of. Bit of sloppy play, um, and and they're in sort of thing, and you know it's it's not a case of here we go again in in a negative context, but it's like oh well, you know we're gonna do it the way we've been doing it, and 
you know, we huffed and puffed to the first half. We, you know, I don't know how many chances I think I heard on the radio last night. So something like 29 attempts on goal, you know, probably narrowed that down to about a dozen decent attempts. Um, and Everton's favourite, you know, lone style last year, Connor Cody seemed to be inspired to clear everything off the line. But I turned and said to me, mate, on about 60-odd minutes, 65 minutes, when a certain number he came on the pitch, I was like, that's it now, we're bringing the football on. Yeah. You know, we're going to see some real football now when this fella walks on the pitch. And, you know, Darwin come on and, you know, we all know what Darwin brings. It, it's embrace the chaos mode and, and not not to dig out Jota and, and Gaffo, who I would say had mixed games. But when Darwin comes on, defenders know he's just a, a bundle of mad energy and he's going to do mad things and they might come off, they might not come off, but he's not going to give up, he's not going to give them a minute's peace. So instantly their their defensive line was, was asked questions because the unpredictability factor and then you're bringing on a star quality footballer in Sabozlai and, you know, it's it's game-changing and it, it could sound cliche, but, but these players are different level and different class and eventually class shines through when the cream rises to the top and we'll speak about that goal but yeah. I've not seen a fella in a number eight, number eight shirt it's something like that for about 15 years and I'll feel them boy it was good to see again yeah when we we spoke a while ago didn't we about the um, the thing about numbers we've, we've talked about it a few times and what numbers mean and like it feels like every game we play he's growing more and more into that number eight shirt and um, you try and sort of keep yourself in check not to get too carried away but then you think why, why do that I mean get carried away he seems a decent player. There's nothing I've seen in him yet that's worrying me. And um, you know he's going to get better and better with every game as he gets to know everyone. There was a young team we put out last night, which is no surprise. League Cup, um, pretty much kind of what you would have expected. I didn't get to. I didn't actually know the teams, believe it or not, because um, I hadn't sort of. By the time I remembered to go and look for the team, saw what time it was. It was already in that dead zone of no signal. Um, so I was listening to the team being read out by Peter McDowell. And I was trying to work out, well, how they're lining up. And I I thought it was strange that he'd, he'd read Curtis out so early on. Because um, I was trying to remember, does he normally do it by number? Does he do it team ordered? How did, you know, he? it seems to change however they're going to do it. But um, Curtis was, I think, was mentioned second. And he was captain a lot. Maybe it's because he's captain. But um, new role for him. Um, two responsibilities, though, in one go. That's what I thought was a bit of a worry once I realised, once they were on what how they were lining up. Um, you're asking him to be captain, which carries extra responsibility, and you're asking him to play in a different position. Um, and not just in a different position, in in the new version of the different position, maybe. Um, I was a little bit worried about that, but I think, you know what, in all honesty, I didn't think he did that bad a job doing it, I think. Um, I'm glad he got the captaincy, got the armband, because he's matured so much this last year or so. He's, you know, he's, he's become a much different player. Um I like the way he got everyone into the huddle before the kickoff as well. Um, you know, he wasn't frightened to be the captain. And I think in that role, okay, um, it's not his ideal position, but, uh, you know, it was worth giving it a try, wasn't it? And, I mean, like I think you were mentioning before we came on air, there's, there's potential that Trent could be coming back very soon. But for the time being, we need to know who we can play in that position, don't we? Because Trent isn't always going to be available. And, you know, we do need to sort of go easy on him. So... Yeah, after Stefan, after other players, I mean, after Joe Gomez, I don't know. 
where, where where would you stick Jones in out of those three as a as a potential filling in right back? Um, I, I would say I go Gomez as you know as your first backup, and then I'd probably go Jones purely based on you know the evidence of last night and young Bissetich's as we said before, he's still a child. People yeah. forget this. Um, you know, and I think Klopp mentioned last night. You know, he didn't start because he, he's easing them back in slowly. He needs to build them up. He's not really at a pre-season, so he's he's going through pre-season right now. In in his words, um, and 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 Jones, yeah, you, you're right in saying he, he has matured as a footballer. We still have been scratching our heads for God knows how long as to what is his best position. But I think we're slowly discovering. You know, part of that midfield three. Um, is probably where he's most comfortable right now. Um, you know, arguably, you would say the shirt is his alongside Savoy's Lion McAllister in that midfield three. Um, and he's done nothing, you know, to, to harm his chances. And getting the captaincy, obviously, at home, you know, you, to lead Liverpool out is an honour for any player. But as a local lad, being able to do that um, at Anfield is obviously something you can never take away. It's a special feeling for him. And obviously, to win the game um, was even more more special for him. So he he, he performed well. Um, I thought he was he was very disciplined in terms of you know being aware that he wasn't always going to be a midfielder because you know we could and lost in in the mind of, of Trent's becoming midfielder. But you know, in this sort of role that he's playing, he also has to be a defender. And I think Curtis was very conscious of the fact that there was times when he had to get back in there and he had to fill in, um, yeah. and he done it very well. Um, and much like Gomez at the weekend, I thought that um, if we if we just have a quick glance back to the weekend's game, that second half especially, I thought Gomez, you know, was very mature in his performance of when to step up and when to sort of play on the ball. And also at times when it was just sensible to know just playing the ball in positions that, you know, required defensive actions. Um, so it's not ideal because, you know, you want Gomez probably as your centre half sort of rotation option and you want Curtis in your midfield options. However, you know, the, the good footballers and good footballers have often quoted the saying that they can play anywhere, they'll always do a job. And, that's that's a reflection of what those two lads have done for us in the last two games, I think. Yeah, I, I, know, I agree totally. And and I think, you know, over the course of a season, you want to play your plays in the best positions. And I think, you know, if you were going to say, right, Jones, he's fitting well, I agree. He's one, he's got to be one of the, the three in the midfield now. Um, whether that changes over the course of the season, maybe someone gets a game and plays better. And, you know, obviously you've got to rotate plays and give people... Uh, the right kind of rest and all that, but I think yeah, definitely if we do if we are playing Curtis at right back, we're we're losing out um, on one of our best midfielders if that makes sense. But you know, the sum of the whole situation might be that it's better having him at right back and someone else in midfield because that's the best strongest team that we can put out in that situation. But hopefully, hopefully, we're not going to be talking about this that much because hopefully Trent's going to be back and playing a lot of games uh, fairly soon. Fingers crossed. Um, I mean, there was there were, there were so many positives about that about that game. I mean, I mean, first half, I just felt that we didn't really sort of put every. You know, we we weren't. I didn't. I don't think we were ever really threatened, but we didn't really do enough threatening ourselves. Um, but we had a bit. You know, we did a little bit. We did. You know, cause some saves. And as you say, Connor Cody was busy, uh, busy kicking it off the line and busy um, being reminded about which club he left 
uh, which could be last played for, if you like. Um, it was it was just good to see. I think there was like a nice blend of, of youth and experience, except the experience at his stage just isn't isn't that old amongst those lads who were playing last. Like that experience is Curtis. He's still as much as Mercedes matured. He's still he's still a youngster. Um, but we, all this talk about the the, the right back on the other side. Um, Costa Simicus just announced. I think it was Monday. New new contract, new long term contract, whatever that means. Um, fair enough. You know we need cover at left back, and um, he's not that bad. Be, you know, be hard to find someone. I mean, I, I do quite quite rate the player in all honesty. But watching it and not having the benefit of a replay, I was thinking, man, what happened? Was he fouled, or was it one of those kind of? Um, I just remember Jimmy Traore that time he, he messed up and just thought I pretended he'd been shot or something um, it was <laughs> but looking back at it from what I've seen on my phone and you know bits of clips I've been able to pick up um, to me that was a foul that that you know VAR would have pulled that back but there was no VAR um, and you know talking of the same thing Doak um, right in front of where I was he he got brought down that was a penalty I mean there's no way that the ref would have played on if that challenge had happened in the centre circle as Liverpool were were breaking forward. You know, if you'd had that kind of challenge, the ref would have blown up and we'd have had a free kick in the in the centre circle. But because it was in the box, he, in my view, just kind of don't want to use this word because he got Jermaine. Did he get Jermaine Jennings in trouble? Uh, I'll use this word. He said he bottled it. Um, and without having VAR behind him, he knew he didn't. It didn't matter if he did. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch. And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Well, funny you should mention it because <clears throat> about 20 minutes since the game was like that not long after the Doak instance, um, I said to me, who, who is this referee? So a little quick look and fortunately enough I managed to get a little bit of signal and his name was Tim Robinson I never heard this fellow in my life so I come to the conclusion that this must be EFL Cup so they're using EFL referees obviously from the championship and whatever um, this lad may be trying to make a name for himself and you know in the essence of trying to let the game flow it's just you know the mantra that referees try and use for Vindicating decisions and lunacy in tackle yeah. that couldn't, you know, get away with. Um, he was letting it flow too much in terms of it. It, it got a bit out of hand, and he he didn't have any control of you know the game itself, which is you know what the referee's there for is to you know make sure that the rules are applied and the game flows off smoothly in terms of you know a fair equal match um, and anything that is above board or below board whatever you want to address that um, you know it is picked up upon and and you know sanctions in terms of yellow cards free kicks and fouls are handed out and I thought the referee had a, had a, had a stinker and I don't want to 
see much more than that because I can't imagine you'll get many appearances at Anfield. And maybe this was, you know, the, the old cup cliche of we'll only be here once, let's make a name for ourselves. But he, he was pretty poor, um, you know, across across the 90 minutes. And regarding Simicus, there was a it was a shout um, from someone behind me and says, what sort of contract did we give him? Was it a full contract? Because it shouldn't have been a playing one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was like, I, I laughed. But then I thought, you know what? I, it's not doing him any good. <laughs> but it, it, it was kind of summing up his first 15 minutes or so. And yeah. what we seen in his last class week, um, you know, he, he didn't have the grace of performance. And I can only hope that the poor lad... Um, as in me not celebrating too much and maybe that's affected him. He, he never looks like he's had a good night's sleep anyway, cost us on the best of days. No. Um so, you know, fingers crossed it's 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 the excuse I'll give Bordham last week and is getting the rust off. Um but, you know, this one starting to look like a rusty old motorbike that's gonna need a lot of WD forty to, to get it going again. Uh, and I'd imagine he's probably gonna be in next week in the Europa League game that we've got upcoming. Um but I don't think Andy Robertson's probably feeling for his placing in Spurs at the weekend is probably the best way to sum that one up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I said, I've said all along we need competition in every position and if you've got competition, then you get the best out of the players that you pick. And I just thought, for one point, I thought we cost us, we got that. Um, let's give him, you know, may, maybe maybe he'll get better as time goes on. And I think, that, I mean, that the other thing as well is like, if you if you go out now to try and buy another left back for the kind of money that, that you could sell cost us for, what you're going to get, you know that's that's the other thing that gets forgotten. So you're right; he's not first choice by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm sure there's young lads who are going to, you know, put his put his place under threat, including the lad who came on right at the end. Um, you know, there's, there's time yet for him to. He, he he needs to feel the competition. I think is what I'm what I'm getting at. But I mean, that first half on the whole, mainly forgettable. Doing one quick thing on the ref, though. I know people around me were saying you know he was giving them everything they they were falling over at the slightest bit of contact and he seemed to not be as keen on letting the game flow then but when it was us um, yeah he was trying to do that um, that thing where he plays an advantage and it's great you know and it turns out to be a goal but maybe sometimes we could have done with a free kick anyway you know about refs um, hopefully not seeing much of him again that 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 half came to an end um, it was sort of I mean in many ways the first half felt a bit boring more than anything it felt like we just weren't doing enough to break them down. We had those couple of close moments, but we, we hadn't done enough. But you just felt, I felt anyway, the second half, it was going to change. And I mean, what did it take? I mean, I said to the guy who was sitting next to me at halftime, pointed out to him, we, you know, we're losing one. The last three games, we've won 3-1. Um, maybe it's going to be another one. Only half believing it, because I'm thinking, there's no way we can have four of these in a row. But, you know, as quickly as we conceded in the first half, we scored in the second half. Cody Gakpo. Um, and I thought it was, you know, another interesting aspect to last night was at least for, for the first part of the game, um, we had two of the lads who come on, who, who dealt us out in the last game, um, you know, to just sort of, re, you know, to sort of capitalise on tired West Ham legs. We, we brought a couple of strikers on that any other club in the Premier League would probably consider having as a starting player. Um, and one of them, you know, straight away got on a goal just after half-time, probably... If, if he's been honest with himself, wondering if he's going to stay on much longer. Yes. Yeah, um, I mean, I a lovely play from Gravenberg as well, just to yeah. you know, shift the ball and, and, and send Hamza Charger down the road for the echo. And then he slotted Gapo in. It was a lovely composed finish. Um, I don't know if it was 
I feel that he he may have been a bit, you know, angry at, at maybe his own performance or something, but he didn't really overly celebrate, which was yeah, a bit odd. Um, or whether he thought, you know, maybe something's going to get pulled back here, but he probably forgot that, you know, VAR wasn't in action that night. Uh, excuse me. That, that um, stopped me uh, from celebrating a bit, though, as well, because we dad, you know. <laughs> it questioned, like, was he offside, but then the flag didn't go up. Yeah. But then there's no VAR. And it was a bit a bit of a muted response in terms of, you know, we got an equaliser after half time pretty quickly. You know, the crowd are up. You, you sort of. You want to see the players on the field sort of grab the ball, get back to the halfway, and let's go again nice and quick. You know, we, we've got these on the rack here. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the Dutch persona. He's very, you know, laid back and relaxed about things. And Ebu um, was doing all the raising of the arms to the crowd to get everyone up before it was any while. But he was kind of on his own because of everyone else was just sort of sauntering back slowly, which is a bit odd. Yeah, it, it was it was strange. Um but I think, you know, you mentioned, obviously, um, Johnson as well. You got the, the final goal, but come off the bench in the other game and then you'd imagine with a with look towards Spurs at the weekend, it, the front three will probably be Diaz, who had a full 90 win address last night, Salah, who obviously went in the squad, um, and then Darwin, who got about 25, 30 minutes or so. They would be the three who start the weekend purely. We've said, obviously, last week that you play the guys in form and okay, these the two who started last night, Gapo and Jota, scored, albeit I don't think the performances one way you could probably say you'd be knocking on a manager's door today and saying, hey, did you see me last night? You know, mm-hmm. you might want to consider Saturday. Um So scoring will do them no harm. It should keep them hungry. Um, and hungry players, I don't, they're dangerous players, and hungry attackers who get goals are dangerous. So, you know, it's not doing us any harm in terms of having these lads still scoring when they're maybe not playing to the the best of their potential. It's probably the best way to sum it up. Um, but yeah, that, that was one thing that struck me was the odd muted sort of celebration thing. But I don't know, maybe it's just a, a personal thing with Gapo. Yeah, um, maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out. I doubt it, but you never know. You never know. Um, and I think, I mean, it wasn't a bad goal. It wasn't a bad goal at all, but um, he's kind of almost been forgotten because there was, I mean, I've sort of said the third goal was great, but has got less attention than he would have got any other game. And that's because of how good the second goal was and how good that player is. And I mean, Dominic's gone and, and smashed the ball. I mean, it was a rocket. He's just, I mean, I was at the other end of the ground and you could hear the noise of it hitting the net. It was he's properly smashed in um, off the woodwork, I think. And it was just, I don't know, just confident, just just great goals. And according to what's being said, I mean, he's doing this all the time in training. Um, so we can export, expect more of it. And it's not just his um, his goals, though, is it? It's everything else he does. And it's just sort of like the icing on the cake is this like can get goals like that. And, you know... Sometimes when the strikers aren't getting them because they're, they're being well marked, well looked after, well dealt with, if you midfielders, you need to come in and step up and, and get that goal in the back of the net. And I feel like we've got a lad here who could get a decent return every season. I, I did see a stat actually today that we've had more goal involvement throughout our field this season already than the whole of last season combined, which is kind of as frightening. Yeah. But yeah. It does tell you 
the change in maybe approach and um, what we've got from our midfield and what we sort of were playing with. Um, you know, the, the word functionality was probably one of the route for what our midfield has been for, you know, majority of the clock era. Um, you know, maybe apart from the Coutinho days where he sort of may have dropped into midfield at times and, and progressed the ball, but now we've got uh, I'd say a multi, multi-functional, multi-dimensional midfield um, and players who can do a lot of different things and can play in a lot of different roles underline them with creativity and goals and I don't know if I mentioned last week though I thought uh, Sabozlai was probably playing at about 75-80% mm. because we, we all seen the highlight reels you know you'd, you'd be a you know, lying to yourself if, if when we signed this kid, if you didn't know anything about him, obviously the game thing now is to have a look on social media and YouTube and whatever. And yeah, the highlight reels of all these goals he was smashing in from thirty yards plus at times. And there's one goal uh, he scored against Bournemouth for the volley, and there was a goal in another game I can't remember earlier on in the season when it, when he popped the shot off. At the keeper, and it was a low drive, and it was spilled, and we we got a goal from it. Basically, even being Gapo or Jota who tapped that one, in. but it's not really had too many, you know, attempts to be, you know, saying this lad can also rifle them in. And I thought that's where we were, you know, sort of being tempered by what this lad was offering, and and he was holding a little bit back. But he had a couple of free kicks on Sunday where he hit the wall, and you think, well, you know maybe he might not be on the next one but doing that last night and then he also had another attempt about five, six minutes later which was about two or three yards just over you know maybe he's found his range maybe he's discovered that club in his bag that he's been keeping secret you know in the in the week of the Ryder Cup you know he's <laughs> he's kept the star club in the bag and now it's being released and unleashed and you know he's going to start pile driving shots in mm. um, because we all know he can do it and you got the honour last night of seeing him in the flesh for the first time and we've often said when you see a player in the ground in the flesh it's a different perspective of what you see yep. on the TV and I'm interested to hear your thoughts about what you think that player brings to us as a whole because you know it it can be deceptive on what you see on TV in terms of what he does off the ball as well um, he is literally a man with everything no, I agree, and and I mean we we talk about I've said this so many times. When you go to the game, there's so much that you see that you just don't get on TV, and that's that's not if we want to try. I mean, they've got so many cameras at a TV game, but you just don't get that. It's impossible on a TV to get that big picture of what you see. That you know you're looking and you're seeing where all the and you can almost tell where the cameras are going to be looking if you think about it. But it's it's, it's what's it is what's off camera, um, and it's just something about him. I mean, he's another. I mean, we keep talking about this being a team of leaders. He's He's definitely a leader by example. He's just he's got the brain, he's got the he's got the ability, he sees things both in terms of where, you know, where to pass it, but also in terms of what you know, where to be. Um it just feels like I don't know, I'm trying to think of who it reminds me of, but there's like yeah, I just have that feeling sometimes that you've got a player that comes in and they remind you of some player from the past in some some little subtle way. I've not quite put my finger on who it is, but um he just feels like a star in the making. He's got everything, and it's not. There's even that sort of secondary stuff as well, like the way he is with the fans. Um, I mean, he scored that goal, and he straight to the cop. You know, these these are just the little, 
the little things that can turn you into a legend and, and I don't know it's hard to put your finger on everything isn't it but there's plenty of that within it's it's early but the Stevie G comparisons <laughs> are, are there in terms of what he does um, and you know the, the affection with the fans the, the off the ball where the leading by example the the shot last night was, you know, right out of the Stephen Gerrard sort of catalogue mm. of pile driver that he rifled in for us over the years. Yeah, because that, you know what, Stevie G, Stevie G would would see the ball, he'd, he'd see the goal, he'd see this opportunity, and he knew that there was a really good chance he could pull it off. That most other players couldn't. You know, they'd be hitting it into the roof of the goal, not the roof of the net. And he's got that as an in front. Of, you know, he's got that that confidence that he knows what he can do and he knows how to do it. He has, and I, I also think like it's it's just the, what what he's brought. Because you know, with all due respect to the midfielders we've had over years, you know, Jordan Henderson was not a Stephen Gerrard replacement. He may have took the arm man, but he was never the player. No. Stephen Gerrard was. He was completely different. So undue pressure was often put on Jordan Henderson's shoulders for for not being Stevie, and not many players in the world could ever be. You know, half the player Stephen Gerrard is, and Dominic Sabozlai right now has got a lot of the attributes that Stephen Gerrard had. But if he can produce half of what Stephen Gerrard produced in this Liverpool career, you know, we'll go down as a legend. Um, because for many, Stevie is the greatest player they've ever seen. You know, people of my generation would say, you know, you've not seen a better player for Liverpool over, you know, a sustained period. Arguably, Luis Suarez gives us moments that you'll never see through a player in a red shirt again but Stevie carried the club for years on his own shoulders and Zabozlai right now is in a team of probably better players than what Stevie was ever with you know we had yeah. moments where we had a couple of years with a good team but we're, we're building what's been labelled as Klopp 2.0 Liverpool 2.0 and there's a lot to be excited about there's a lot of young players and they're all they're all at a good age in terms of you know they can grow together and he can build something special and it does feel like there's a little buzz around the place at the moment and you know 19 games I think unbeaten now um, I think it's 17 in the league obviously you, you roll in the two cup competitions we played over the last week or so you know it's a lot to be excited about and this lad is at the forefront of it and he just makes watching football so easy you know he, he's so graceful on the ball um, you know it there's a lot of players you compare it to, um, but obviously he wears number eight. He strikes a ball like that. It's it's gonna just continue to grow, and I think he's actually big enough to accept the fact that he may be compared to a Liverpool legend, but he will fancy him back himself to be as good as, or even maybe consider himself to go one better and do things that Steven Gerrard didn't do, which is very few things, but lift the Premier League title. Yeah, and I think yeah, I mean I I know like if Stevie went through his career, I'd know. Like people who were kind of watching football back back when I was a a lad back in the like medieval days, um, that you know you'd say people say he's the best Liverpool player of all time, and and they'd, they'd be naming like Kenny Dalglish or or Graham Sooners, maybe Ian Rush, uh, even even like Ray Clements, whoever, um, Alan Hansen. So there's all of these kind of legends that get named by different people, um, you know, and a lot of you know a lot of people are saying, but you know, Stephen Gerrard isn't there yet, and as time went on, I just kind of noticed loads of people kind of just gradually. Like one by one, they were picking off people who'd sort of not said Gerard was up there, and then eventually people were saying he was. And then 
for him, it was heartbreaking in a way to look back on his career and think, how many years as a Liverpool player was he playing in a good team? Like you said, he wasn't wasn't very often. It wasn't anywhere near enough. And you wonder what could have been if he'd had players around him who were of the kind of quality that, that Kenny Dalglish had around him, that Ian Rush had around him, that Alan Hansen had around him. Um, you know, he's to say, we don't know, we'll never know. But I, and I agree what you're saying with, with, with Sabosli now. He's got... There's so much potential in this Liverpool seat tied at the moment. There's so much youth in it as well. Um, you know, we, we've got... To me, I mean, I don't want to get carried away because I can see this backfiring on us if we get too too carried away. But you know what? We've got every reason to be getting carried away. We've we've played so well this season. As you say, this run of wins just keeps going and we've got this ability to react to, to when it does go bad. I mean, you know... I, I, I would. I've seen a Liverpool teams in the past where you'd have gone down early like that against Leicester, and it'd have just been a mess. They'd have gone to pieces. They just wouldn't have been able to get past them, and that would have been, you know, we'd have been, we'd have been two 0 down by halftime. Um, no, not this version. This this so-called version two point is so so much better. Um, and then as the saying about the young ones, I mean, Quanta is. Oh my God! I don't know. If I'm sort of getting a bit too excited about him, he's still he's still young. You just don't feel he's gonna he's gonna push his way past um, Matty or or Gomez. Um, certainly not. Obviously, be past uh, uh, Canate and Van Dijk. So he probably is quite way down the pecking order. But from what I saw of him last night, and considering how young he is, he's got the confidence to easily be able to be starting in games if we really really need him to. Hope we don't rush him uh, and ruin him. Um, hopefully we won't need to but that was summed up to me in I mean great great work from Elliot to kind of win the ball back but then he gets the ball and just carries on going young centre back doesn't think oh my god I've got to get back um, just keeps going forward and sets Jotter up for well as I said probably would have been one of the goals of the season if it hadn't come a few you know so many minutes after the one from Dominic Hello I'm here to annoy you I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just as attacking output like yesterday. It was also a defensive output. And yeah, I think there was a moment in the second half where Leicester broke, and he came across and sweeped up and shepherded the man out of play. And in the end, you know, I think he ended up winning the goal here. To be quite honest with you, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd be, I didn't have him down as being that quick across the ground, uh, which was mighty impressive. Um. You know, he's, he's got a couple of things to work on, oh, yeah. but he's got a lot of raw attributes there that defenders will often take years to learn. And composure on the ball in today's game is one of them. And having that composure in what people would say is the wrong 
box for the defender and being able to, you know, drive into the box and pick out a pass. Um, you know, you, again, a moment you'll never be able to take away from the lad other than, than scoring the goal at Anfield or scoring the winner. You know, yeah. setting one up at the top end for, for someone. It's up there. Um, and I think genuinely, I'll be, if we if we think long term, um, you know, as, as the current contract status stands, matter is out of contract at the end of the summer. Yeah. At the end of the season, sorry, next summer. Um, likelihood is he's probably going to be allowed to walk um, free, um, unless you know something happens where we nail him down for the two year deal and then maybe cash in a year later or something. But mm. I wouldn't be scared if if Matter walked away in Kwanzaa, you know, sort of stepped up and we brought another centre half in. Yeah, um, you know, a young potential, and and he was you know maybe the fourth option um, because he, he's certainly shown and he's been tossed into the fire pit. But he, but he rose from it and you know a couple of hairy moments as any young centre half's going to experience but he certainly performed a lot better than certain centre halves who are probably getting game strengthening for England is probably the best way of putting it yeah yeah exactly so I'm, I'm not worried about him yeah no I'm not I'm not as well I think he's uh, you know we, we've got to give him the game time we've got to give him the experience they've got to make mistakes because they learn. They can't learn from mistakes otherwise can they so um, I'm glad we're giving him a chance and I hope we can keep going in, in this tournament in this competition as well I mean we've got Bournemouth next I think we were drawn against and they've caused us problems I think at times in the past or made us have a bit of worry I don't know um, they, they, they feel like a team that if we put a weak team out they'll put a strong team out um, but that's something for the future we can worry about that then Um what I liked as well about the lineup in a lot of ways was the fact that we could um, we could play such a young team, but we still got that cavalry on the bench if we need it. Um, you know, he sort of we're not totally writing the competition off. I mean, there's, there's, there's probably teams who've gone out of this competition over the years because they've not just played kids in the starting eleven; they've put a load of kids on the bench as well. You know, and showed no interest. And I mean, apart from that year, we had to because we were in um, the first team was basically representing the country and the world club championships but we were forced to still play a league cup game um, on the whole I would say on the clock we tend to do that we do tend to put out a strong team but sorry a strong squad if you like a, made up mainly of sort of younger ones uh, starting um, also a nice touch that uh, the armband went from Curtis to uh, Kelleher at the end well towards the end don't know how long was left um, it, you know he could have gone to any of the other players but um, maybe that's another little thing we were talking about whether Queeves has had sort of an agreement with Klopp that he'll get Europa in League Cup games I wonder if he's been told he'll get the armband now and again yeah I think it was about 80 odd minutes excuse yeah. me that that Jones left the field um, and yeah like I did wonder I think like you know Jones going off who's going to get the armband and my initial thought was probably maybe Kanate I thought yeah was going to get it um, you know and a goalkeeper having the captaincy is is always a strange one because you know if if, if a situation arises you know the other end of the field the referees and a little you know jumped up mentality at the average of while only speak to the captain yeah well as your goalkeeper got to sprint the other end of the field to try and just just gesticulate their opinion of the other players you know because the captain is the only one allowed to speak to the referee or would the referee allow you know a another player to to step in because the goalkeeper is so far away and it's you know unreasonable to expect that but 
you know, Kelleher's been at the club several years and yeah, for many we did think he would move on, but he got the Europa League and I mentioned last week, you know, his his performance in that he couldn't really do much about the goal and he pulled off a save even though it was offside to you know to sort of prove that he can do things and there wasn't much work from him to I just don't think he could have done a lot about the goal um, but you know he, he commands his box he's a good keeper he's composed on the ball and yeah maybe he has been told you know we are going to play uh, another full strength team in, in the cups and you know should the situation arise where the captaincy you know needs to be given to someone then you know I think it, the longer saving player the sort of goes to and I thought, obviously how long he has been here so, so maybe it was that I did see put a nice post on social media it's like how proud he was to wear the arm and obviously yeah. get the victory at Anfield so big moment for him yeah and you know it's it's a, it's a long line of, of players who've come through the system and and we've seen a few, as you said last night, and long may discontinue in terms of our developments of, of getting kids through and getting them featured into the first team. I think the only reason we didn't see more was the under-21s were playing in what was known as the Europe Premier League International oh, yeah. um, against Monaco, to which they went down, um, lost 2-1. Um, young Jaden Dan scored in the 82nd minute, um, and the other player sent off in the final minutes of the game. Um so that was probably why you know we we didn't see the likes of you know Bobby Clark yeah had a few others yeah I mean I think yeah that's it they you know we we kind of so many things that we're involved in and I mean there's just so much talent at the club it's just hopefully we can we can see it all come through the the three one win last night as we mentioned was the fourth in a row and um, we've already done two on the show last time but the other one was the uh, return of our mate David Moyes. Um, at the weekend, beat West Ham three one. I mean, we'd gone ahead, we equalised. Um, Salah's pen was 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 full of confidence. Um, Darwin got one from from open play, and of course, uh, rounded it all off with five to go. Um, I wasn't so sure. I mean, I didn't. I don't know. It was a strange game to me. I think when I I did raw straight after it, and I felt a bit like we'd been quite complacent at times, and you know we hadn't done enough to kill the game off but as you've had like a couple of days to kind of review what your thoughts are and stuff I'm thinking you know what we've done in a game we've done we've done what we needed to do to get the job done um, you know we've not gone crazy and sort of taking too many risks we've, we've just balanced it outright and I was overall I mean it was it was another great win and again you know going to, having a goal against us having them equalise um, they were dangerous on the attack. I always felt like there was a risk of smashing grab from them, and that's probably what made me feel like we hadn't played that well. We hadn't played badly. It's probably just me worrying for ninety minutes that they were going to, um, you know, fluke some counter attack against us. Basically, so I don't know. We got the job done. Um, I was pretty pleased, really. Once I'd had a chance to sort of properly think about it, and um, I need to stop being so paranoid. Maybe during games that we're going to concede. It's just I think I've become conditioned that way because we've had that. A little bit too often in, in a few in the last few years. Maybe you were just really concerned that West Ham under Michael Antonio's guidance and future vision <laughs> were gonna come up and really, you know, tear us over at our field. Um, given this bold prediction which, you know I think uh, Michael Antonio spent more time face down on the floor yeah. at Anfield than he did actually on his feet doing anything effective with the ball. He said he was a six pointer, didn't he? And we are six points ahead of him now, so 
Well, yeah. So you know, um, good luck turning that round over the season. You know, um, best of luck with that one. Um, for what West Ham had a game plan, which you know, David Moyes, you kind of expect it. You know, like for all his plaudits over recent years, and he may have become ever so slightly more dimensional as a manager. Underlying in there is my first of all thought is do not get beat. If we can get a draw, good. If we can sneak a win, yeah. excellent. And I thought like their game plan was, you know, going going to perfection in terms of, you know, they got in and a half time, they were one one. They had a couple of couple of opportunities in the first half where I thought Andy Robertson was was five yards too deep quite off and allowed them opportunities. Um I can remember I think the goal sort of came from from down on the Robertson side, he had one where Antonio himself fought, you know, he was primed at the age of, but when he actually wasn't, you know, he was more David in goal and put his header well wide. And yeah, I think a half time a draw was a fair result. Maybe even two two would have been a fair result in a half time. But when they come out and we called second half, I said to me mates in the crowd, I said, these are just gonna sit here now till seventy minutes. And then all they'll do was 70 minutes to deal lash on like Ben Rama, Danny Ings, Kudus, yeah. and try and nick something. You know, at that point it's 2 1, they might try and nick a draw. If it's 1 all, they might try and nick a win. Um, and we played much better, you know, um, as we have done in the second half a lot of the times uh, over the season. But getting that third goal at the end, you know, did sort of, you know, wrap it up and seal it and put the game to bed. And, and Davey was sent back off. Found the M6 with his tail between his legs once again. Um, but yeah, in in the grand scheme of things, looking at the game now, um, I think again, you know, we mentioned earlier on the class that we've got and the players we've got to be able to change games, sort of shot through, um, and the ability, especially going forward, um, is so underrated. So obviously, Michael Antonio trying to forage alone, sort of attack on his own which fell flat on its face in more ways than one and then we've got a multi-dimensional attack that can work in so many ways um, you know really shone through and I thought Darwin Nunes had what would be described as many as a as a, a proper number nine performance I thought he's really come on leaps and bounds and his league play is getting so much better his intelligence of, of run um, his movements and just as his all round game is getting a lot more, you know, cohesive to what we want. And his pressing and his relentless work rate, which is as we often said, you know, if a player's willing to run, you know, and, and put hundred percent efforts in, they'll always be appreciated by the crowd. And I think, you know, not not the pennies dropped, but I think he's just learned and matured and settled into this Liverpool team. And as time goes on, game by game. He looks ever so well frightening as a, as a number nine, and we seen that last night when he come on. Yeah. He, he scared them, um, and and going into the weekend against Tottenham, I think I, you know you've got to start Darwin because he will scare them. With all due respect to Cody Gappo, he's a different type of player, and the old horses for courses cliche. But Darwin at the moment is putting the fear into defenders because he, he can do so much and being able to have him plus the other options we've got in that attack it, it only bodes well for the future yeah and I think I mean another thing I noticed as well at the game last night was just like I don't know I feel like there's an extra level of support for Nunez because of the, the well let's put it on the best way we can the shit he gets of other people um, who were always looking to do him down I think there's just this like you know 
we we we've thrown that sort of ring of steel around him. He's he's one of ours, and you'd like just just leave him alone because we know what he's like. And um, yeah, I mean, and you can hear the chatter. I mean, it's another thing about going to the game as well. You hear loads of people having conversations. If you're wandering around, you're in the ground, whatever. You know, you're just sort of hanging about in the concourse or whatever it is. You hear loads and loads of people's opinions, and um, there's just so many, and it's all on the same lines of like Nunez. I mean. We've not seen the full Nunez yet. There's so much more to come from him. Um, I mean, the other thing, the other conversation I heard, someone saying Endo, um, I thought he played okay last night. It wasn't that bad for what we paid for him. Um, you know, he certainly likes tackling, doesn't he? But there was someone saying that yeah, he was okay for those games where he'll get found, found out against others. And I'm like, a bit early to be that sort of negative, I think, maybe about players. But, um, you know, are they, last night I got the soccer bus as well. I've not, the last time I got the soccer bus to a game, because usually since since then I'd been allowed to drive or I'll get a cab if I'm coming in from town. Um, the last time before that was when we played Atletico and there was like all these Spanish fans in on the bus um, who'd come from where COVID was much more rife than it was here maybe a week before lockdown, not long before lockdown started. And I just remember thinking how frightening that was. And it's good to be um, it's good to be back now and to be able to get about and not be having to worry about those things hopefully anymore or you know not certainly not to that extent. Um, in the queue as well um, the driver obviously this bus does a circular route they'll pick people up they'll go into town then they'll come back pick the next lot up and obviously they'll do that until there's no one waiting for a bus and um, the driver just said to the to the guy outside who was kind of marshalling everyone um, what's the queue look like? and he just looked at him straight face said um, look really long with people in and <laughs> it's just well, and then the driver to absolutely hate to get it but um, it's just those little moments isn't it in the game I, I just love that kind of stuff um, it was like in front of me there was a uh, an elderly lady I would, I would say you know 80s you know rather me of me nan and yeah. as we get to the turnstile you know we were, we were going into the side of the car excuse me love I've got, I've got to go through turnstile too and I was like, okay, no problem. You know what I mean? She's like, I, I go through Turnstile 2 every week. Oh, I've got to go through Turnstile 2. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. It's just like, you know, a flashback of like the sort of traditions that old yeah. people are like, I must go through this sort of like superstition. Um, lo and behold, she got there and she couldn't unlock her phone. I was like, says this, says this, you do us a favor, give this lady a hand here because, you know, she's, she's struggling and. He was like, I just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, it's not your fault, love. You know, you wanted to go through Tearstar too, and, you know, elderly people with modern mobile phones and this, you know, contactless entry into grounds, it, it can be a bit of a pain, you know. I'm sure for, for people of that generation, they probably just want, like, the old season ticket card where you can yeah. just tap it. Um, why the club can't do that, I, I think it's baffling, but, yeah. Yeah. It did, it did give me a, a smile. Maybe one of the reasons is that... Um you know, if they said we'll do it, anyone who's over seventy can can have a can have a, an old fashioned season ticket. Maybe there's a lot of season tickets of people who are like currently like 120 because they've never they've never changed the name <laughs> on whoever it was to start with. Um, maybe that's one of the reasons. Um, yeah, I mean as well. I mean off the pitch, we've had a bit of news. There's probably a couple of hours before we start recording this that there's been some new investment in the club. Um, it's early days. We don't know a great deal about it yet. Um, and you can tell that we don't know a great deal about it because I thought there's one report that says um, Liverpool on FSG and Dynasty, who is the it's Dynasty Equity, you've, you've got this new investment in the club. Um, they don't reveal the financial details, but it's in the region of 
100 million to 200 million dollars i mean that is one hell of a sort of you know roughly like if you go you know if you were saying like about you know you wanted like some work done on your house you know like easy it's gonna be, it'd be a grand or two grand like come on it's, it's not one or two grand it's a lot of money 100 million 200 million bit of a guess um and the money's basically already been spent, if you think about it, because what they're saying it's being used for is um, debt that the club has already had to do things like getting through COVID, getting through the pandemic, um, the work on the new stand at Anfield, the Anfield Road stand, the training ground at, uh, um, alongside the old academy, um, buying Melwood back, um, and even some of the money we spent in the last window on transfers. So um, the money's not going to come in to anything in the future, but I suppose what it does is it gives us um, well, it gives us the right to go and get more death or whatever if we need to, if we need that to carry on. But we don't need to build another training ground when Anfield Road's finished. That's probably the last last big bit of building where we're going to need to do for a while. I would say at Anfield. So they don't seem to have got a massive stake. I think you were saying it's only like a tiny little percentage for that money. Um, so it's, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a bad thing, and it feels like as well all that stuff when the news was first released that Liverpool were looking for people to invest in the club to me the message that they were giving FSG at the time was we're looking for people to kind of join us not selling we want people to join us to put some money in you know to, to join our sort of thing that we're doing you know they'll get they'll get a cut of all our profits in the future kind of thing or you know their, their investments will grow because the club's value will grow not not I never thought anything at the time about the, the, the stuff that was being said was that we were actually trying to sell um and that seems to have been the case if this is, by the looks of it, the only thing that's going to happen. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be a podcast release on AI. Um, you know, probably, well, we'll probably do a money talks yeah. um, with more in-depth and some information on who these these guys are um, and, you know, where they, where they come from, what they currently have investments in and so on and so forth. Um, I don't by any means claim to be sort of financially clued up and just a quick look online and finding the website. It's not very overly informative. It gives you obviously who the couple of gentlemen who co-founded the the equity firm um, and you know their backgrounds and whatever. Just basically a, a bio blog of, of who they are and what they've done in their careers. A um, couple of links to American teams across varieties of sports. So you know they, they've got connections within sport and fields. Um, but yeah, the. The vagueness of the fee between 100 and 200 million dollars also comes with the vagueness of the investment being 1.9 to 3.8 percent of Liverpool. So, mm. you know, if we're going to put our, you know, our, our rough guidance on here, I'd say something around like you know the three percent mark, and um, for maybe something around about 170 million. Um, I'd imagine it's a flexible figure, um, and it was being mentioned that it was to cover, obviously, as you said, the developments of of the Anfield Road and Melwood so you know it's not I think it was quite un- unequivocally stated it's not a transfer kitty for Jürgen no um, and maybe you know some negative heads will look at that and say oh we're getting this money why isn't Jürgen getting anything what it possibly is doing is actually you know it's covering the overheads for the building developments which then allows Jürgen to spend the money that you know is there and earned by the club to be spent on his behalf yeah um, so you know it might not be actually a bad thing you know it, it's maybe allowing the club to spend money in areas that they want to spend and this you know it's just an influx of cash to ensure that we get that building over the line and as you as you attended Lanfield last night as I did you 
from, from the from the naked eye looking, you know, from what we can see on the pitch, you know, sort of looking up the after the road, and there's not been too much development in the last couple of weeks in terms of ventilation of seats. So, yeah. fingers crossed, it's all getting done, you know, behind the scenes, and they're getting that up to scratch and ensuring that we can get, you know, that stand fully open, functional, and bringing in the cash revenue which it was designed to do um, as soon as possible. I still think the derby is a date that is maybe over-optimistic. Uh, we might have you know, an increased capacity of some sort, but I can't imagine it'll be a full opening um, given the derby is, I think it's three weekends from now, possibly four. Um, it's three, actually. Um, it's the 21st of October. So, yeah, yeah. as we record this on a first afternoon, it's three weeks Saturday and I don't think, unless they're putting a hell of a lot of overtime in for them lads and ladies who were working on that site, um, it's going to be ready. But it was muted, as you said, as a minor investment a while ago. You know, we probably thought as fans they were probably looking to sell a larger chunk, maybe, you know, more towards the 15, 20, 25%. Um, as, as some people may have thought, that was... Uh, an opportunity for for somebody to invest and dip the water, uh, toe in the water, and then if all went well, you know, and all the building development works were done, and FSG were happy, uh, they were taking the club as far as they could, and this ownership who may have potentially bought in at a higher stake could take us further than what they ever could. Then they may have well sold on. However, you know, that's not come to fruition. This is what we've got, um, and when things are going well on the field stuff like this off the field is less of a distraction and less of a talking point um, so I'd imagine it'll be news for you know 24-48 hours and then once we get back to on field play it'll probably all be forgotten about I don't need a VPN I've got nothing to hide <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with libertyshield.com not only is my home internet now fully encrypted but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs mag boxes and games consoles visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout yeah and I think um, if you do if you do if you can be bothered to do the maths um, and I can't at the moment in time um, if you work out what, what the two percentage ranges are and what the cash ranges are then you can probably work out what that values the club at and whether that's guesswork from people who've heard one of the figures and guessed what it means to the other, I don't know. But as you say, um, there's plenty of people on our build index, certain people definitely who know more about this kind of stuff than we do. Um, it'll definitely give you all the information on that. So make sure you keep your ear out for when all that stuff's coming out because it will. Um, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think as well, I mean, just, just on, a, on a quick one on that as well. I mean, 
people if people are saying why isn't it going to give Klopp some money well the, the truth is that once that's if that stand is open and paid for you know and the new training ground is open and paid for we've no more big capital projects to, to go for and we've got a ground that will now be bigger and I think you were saying we were losing like a lot of money every game where that ground's not open to its full capacity so um, and you know however you work that out more people can come the game more people who've never, never, maybe never been the game much or or at all you know and obviously they'll go and spend money in the club shop because you know that's one of the things you can bring into the ground is your big bag from the club shop um, if you're not allowing much else <laughs> no no um, you struggle to get it through the turnstile anyway let's be honest even, even if you could get your phone to work at that point um, it's it's all I mean it just feels like it's but you know, FSG you get a lot of stick and I can and I can see why at times I mean now they're definitely not perfect but I do think overall they've had the hearts in the right place all the time they've been at this club and they've thought about trying to make the club as sustainable as possible and you know at this point in time if we've had those debts cleared um, we've not got to worry about debt going forward then you know we can hopefully just be self-sustaining and the money we make from TV and, and, and kits and sponsorships and um, prize money and all the rest of it uh, as well as gay receipts then that, that, that'll give Klopp a a transfer kitty whenever he needs it you know which might be that there's a summer where he doesn't spend much because he's like there's there's nothing going for money that makes sense you know and then the next summer or as we, we got accustomed to the next Christmas um, you know he goes out and spends the money on someone that we need and um, we'll see um, We, I mean we've the thing we've spoken about for months now is needing cover in the defence and you know as much as we've got young players who can please us quite a bit you know that's still something I hope we're going to be thinking about um, next up for us though is I don't know what kind of a test it's going to be um, we're playing Spurs and there's loads of people saying that it's like a new Spurs team um, you know they've changed they're not the sort of um, I don't know falling short type of team that they've been for however many years now you know they're actually going to go places but I don't know I think don't they say that about Spurs every year that they're a new Spurs and this is going to be their year um, I mean I know we did that for a spell as Liverpool fans but um, I don't know. Has anything really changed? I'm not saying we shouldn't be worried about them because they've done us over in the past. That that's that goes without saying. Um, the two points behind us in the league, so you know they're, they're no slouches. And obviously, you know we're still scouts to them. So I don't know a lot about what's going on with them this season, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not convinced they're any more of a worry than they were last year, which means you still have to respect who you're playing. Yeah, um, just taking a quick look at what Spurs have done this season. So they've, they're, they're not in they're not in European competition um, due to last season's performance, but six games played, um, couple of draws, and four wins. Yeah, four wins. Um, so if we just navigate their season so far, <coughs> two all draw away at Brentford, respectable draw. Um, but as we've seen. At the weekend, the Ev can go there and beat Brentford. So, is that a really a good result? Who knows? Um, 2 0 home win to Manchester United, who are terrible, um, is the best way of putting them this season and last season and the season before and the season before that. But I digress. Um, a 2 0 victory away at Bournemouth, with all due respect, Bournemouth hardly the stiffest composition. A 5 2 win away at Burnley, just promoted. A 2 1 win at home to Sheffield United, just promoted. And then a very good, respectable 2-2 draw at the weekend away at Arsenal. So, you know, 
realistically, you know, the four victories, United, Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield United, you know, United may be the question mark, but given the United the way they are, you would have expected Spurs to at least come away from that game without losing. So, you know, they they may be up ever so slightly on that one. Brentford away at a draw, you you probably take that on your opening day, um, albeit obviously the Everton factor. And drawing away at Arsenal is obviously a good result for anybody, um, given the progress Arsenal have made in, in the last couple of years. So are Spurs any better than what they are last season? Probably ever so slightly, maybe more of a team, but it's a general stars, and they've also crashed out the Carabao Cups of Fulham. Um, I think they lost on penalties in that one, but you know, it's it's not screaming down the houses to say you know they've planted a flag in the ground and said they are title contenders. They ever they might be ever so slightly better, but you know, harder tests are to come. Obviously, they got us at the weekend, um, and then they've obviously. Eventually, they're going to have to play the likes of you know Newcastle, Chelsea, um, else Man City. You know that they're going to have to play tougher games between now and Christmas. Maybe judge them there. This weekend's game will be a challenge. It always is. You know, going to the I think it's still renamed the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because they're probably still seeking a heavily invested sponsorship right for that. But you know, we, we should probably fancy our chances going there, given. The, the team we've got um, and you know Spurs will give you chances they've, they've proven that in games over the, you know, the past few weeks they, they do concede goals yes they may, may score a few and we are a bit light at the back in terms of you know keeping the back door shut but I would fancy us going forward in what we've got in our firepower yeah and I, I hadn't realised actually because you sort of I'm thinking back today like I mean time flies and all the rest of it it feels like we've had times where Spurs have kind of done us over or whatever um, but in fact, there's only, I think in the last 10 years, or well, the last 21 Premier League games, they've only actually beaten us once. Um, and that was in 2017, but that was quite, that was where they were playing at Wembley while that new stadium was being built and they beat us 4 1. So, um, but there's been times, I suppose, where they've taken points up us and that's been, you know, maybe that's, that's one of those, uh, they've been those games where a draws felt like a loss. Um, because maybe, you know, just, just how it goes. I think we, we've had. I mean, there was a time um, the red cards that weren't evenly handed out when Robbo got red carded, but Harry Kane, you know, England legend, untouchable, didn't, and stuff like that. And that's the kind of stuff you get with them, I suppose. Um, but I didn't realise we'd gone just been beaten once in sort of ten years by them. I didn't realise we were we kept them at bay that much. So I suppose that's what hopefully we can do this this weekend as well, because you know this momentum is going to be good for us. I mean. Uh, Man City finally slipped up in at least one competition this season, which was in the League Cup. They went out last night, so you know they got a hundred percent record in the league. But we're there, really breathing down their necks now. And of course, if we keep winning three one all season, no, we won't. Um, if we did keep winning three one all season, obviously we'd win the league because we're only two behind them. Um, I think this this weekend might be one of our maybe arguably the hardest game we've had so far this season, but. I don't know. I just feel like we've got it in there to, you know, to make sure of it, and and then maybe you know maybe it's going to be a full strength team because we're going to need to rest some players. Um, well, we've just rested some players, and then we can rest some more because we're back in Europe as well, aren't we? We are, yeah. Um, and just a quick sideways glance to our man in the middle um, yeah. this weekend is Simon Hooper. 
Um, people may remember him very recently, referee that game at home to Aston Villa. Um, by no means the most offences uh, offensive of referees. <laughs> Surprisingly, he's from Swindon. Um, so you know we've often called for referees to be not from the Greater Manchester era, area. Sorry, and this lad isn't. Um, yeah, he's, 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 he doesn't seem too bad from what I remember from that Villa game. He was not an overly contentious and. I don't remember if, if it was yourself who did roar actually for that game and I think the best compliment were, you were given to the referee was there was nothing you could really say about him you didn't notice him yeah. or whoever it was who did roar that day um, apologies if it wasn't yourself no it wasn't um, um, if a referee can do his job and not be noticed then I suppose that's all we can ask for in this league so you know fingers crossed this, this fella um, does the same on the weekend and and yeah, maybe you know it's you, you kind of get lost in, in the Spurs sort of vortex of games. I mean, the one that always sticks out to me is that, um, as well as the the instance that should have been red cards or what wasn't red cards or what was um, the the awful performance at Wembley when they unlocked for another meltdown, yeah. but also the you know the the John Moss incident at Anfield when it was like, oh fucking, I'll just give a pen because I don't know. Oh yeah, um, and and Harry Kane got a penalty and ruled out a, a wonderful score from Mo Salah. Where he, you know, I think he took about four or five players on and rifled it past Lloris. And I think we were we were probably two one up at that point. And then he goes, "Ah, oh, fuck it, I'll just give Harry a penalty." But, you know, England's um, golden child sort of thing. And yeah, I'm 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 hoping for a good game. I think it will entertain it. Um, you know, if if someone offered me now a point, you know, I, I'd certainly wouldn't say no. But I would also think that we're we're much further ahead than them um, in terms of quality of of player and sort of where we are with our manager to to them being under a very decent sound fellow in Postecoglou. Um, you know, I want us to get all three points and keep the pressure on them. You know, City have also had a generous start. Um, they they are going to face some stiffer tests, and if the only thing we can get out of this season is you know. A couple of trophies, a decent European run, maybe one in there. Um, the Carabao Cups opened up with the draw to say, you know, it's a potential for the trophies to be won um, off a short number of games. And, and keep City honest, if you know, if we maybe are a, a one or two players short from actually, you know, being a hundred percent solid enough to match them for the thirteen game period, let's keep them honest at least. And we're two points behind now, and if we can get into the international break and still be two points behind them. I'm sure we'll all take that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And you know, we can't do anything about their results until we play them. Um, so it's just important that, that we keep going. And also, you know, it's easy easy for easy for me to say this when I'm just going to break this basic rule. But you know, one game at a time. Um, but of course, we maybe should just quickly talk about the European game that's next week. Um, my knowledge, and because it's so far ahead, we've not really no one's really got around to doing any like stats or anything like that I don't think but Union San Gilwaz or whatever the name is however you know mm-hmm. so we've had a load of plays we can't pronounce and now we've got teams we can't pronounce I don't know a great deal about them but I don't know if I, if I was trying to guess where they were in this sort of competition maybe maybe they weren't as tough a task as Lask but we'll see that that wasn't meant to rhyme but it did I'm going to go with what I've heard on another pod which was Union say Gilwaz and okay, and <laughs> maybe the day that would have pronounced hand in the year, you know, like um, some sort of Italian appealing for the yellow card. Um, but all I know about them is 
uh, they've got Kevin McAllister, and not the one that was left behind in oh, New York. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's the McAllister derby, isn't it? Um, Alexis's boy uh, is coming to town. I wonder if if Papa Alexis is coming over for the game. I, I'd imagine he is. Um, I think he was a nice, you know, image from. Um, Alexis posted last week a couple of images on the on his Instagram and, and socials that you know they were, they were watching Alexis on one screen and Kevin on the other, which was was a nice touch. And um, yeah, you know they're a team we've never faced before, um, up and coming, rising sort of team due to the fact that Tony Blue, who owns Brighton, owns them as well. Right, um, sort of, you know, a feeder club in one may pull. You know, if you if you delve into the the history of of recent players who've moved to Brighton, um, you know the likes of Matoma. Um, I've spent time at Union um, in the Belgian league, maybe stuff like find their feet within European football do a year or so, and then you know if they're ready and enabled, they'll move on to Brighton um, in the Premier League. So you know th- there could be a couple of of young players there who we may well see in future in English football. Um, I'd imagine you know they, they'll probably come. You know, enjoy the the day out, and the fans will be coming to Anfield for the first time. And you know, there's always a nice sort of feel about when European fans come to Anfield or most European fans, anyway. I will say, um, yeah. creates a good atmosphere. Um, certain fan bases aren't so you know friendly. It's probably the nicest way of putting it. Um, and yeah, you know, an opportunity again for the lads who we've we've probably seen in the Carabao Cup and against Lask to. To get out there and, and put another performance in and try and you know, stake a claim for the start and berths in the in the Premier League team, but a big week, you know, sort of sort of beckons. Um, if we can get a positive result at Spurs and and a victory at home to Union, um, you know, six points from six in the Europa League group, and we've already got a two point lead on on Union and Toulouse because they drew in their first game one one. You know, we we could find ourselves with a with a healthy advantage just after two games in that group, and I think we've we've said before that we can get it wrapped up nice and early. It does benefit us when we get to December time and games come thick and fast, where we may be able to you know heavily rotate and allow you know players who need a rest to be actually fully rested and not actually sat on the bench. And should we need them, break glass and bring them on like we had to last week. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's it's, it's just yeah, break break glass, good way of doing it as well. Good way, good way of putting it. Um, I think break glass as well. I think it's something Everton must be thinking they've been wanting to do because um, I mean, let's let's finish off with them. Um, they've won twice. They've got their cocky now, haven't they? Because I I tweeted um, the goal, um, the Jota goal, and just said, you know, I was just mean. I was just making the point mainly about Kwanza and how good he he was, and you know, it's good to see him going forward and um, and that move across that with that great Harvey Elliott tackle and. And Kwanzaa, you know, keeping the ball when he was under pressure and, and making on with the run. So I would just, you know, nice goal. Let's just say how good it was. Let's enjoy it. And he got quote tweeted by some Evertonian. They've invented tackling, and you you can just admire the bitterness in in this lad, whoever it is. Like you know, he's just been sitting waiting for his opportunity, but he's had to stay quiet because he haven't won until like last weekend. Um, I mean, I did, they're not all like that. I did the radio on Radio Merseyside on Monday. Dave Downey was on it, I've known for years. You know, he, he's a more level headed Evertonian. Um, like some of them can be, um, but then there's just these stereotypical ones. Um, two wins. It's like, you know, the red shite are the worst than us. It's all the confidence comes back. It's, that's what, it's the mixture of the bitterness against us and the absolutely 
it's sort of untempered confidence they have in themselves that, that always makes me laugh. Surprisingly, never seen so many smiles in work this week. The Blues are bouncing um, and, and, and roll on the derby. Some of the shouts, and you know what? I, I I wouldn't mind if they beat Luton this weekend. I'd expect them to beat Luton if they didn't. Then that's a you know that's a blow. And they admit themselves that. I mean, I mean, that's what Dave was saying the other day. Yeah, they've got to beat Luton. Um, otherwise, what they've done, in, you know, against Brentford in the last days against Villa. Um, which was, you know, let's be honest, two shock results. You know, you would have fancied Brentford at home and Villa at home in the cup to to turn over Everton, but you know they, they've managed to get two victories and should beat Luton. Then they've got a home game against Bournemouth before the international break, which then obviously returns with that lovely half twelve fixture in the Merseyside derby. If they go into that, let's just say unbeaten um, from four games, the tail's going to be up, the confidence is going to be up, and it will play right into our hands and. You know, we've got a couple of podcasts to do before then. Um, so, you know, plenty to whet the appetite and plenty to water to pass under the bridge before then. But, you know, it isn't too bad to see some people, you you know, your friends would to actually smile once in a while. You know, it's been a while um, since you've seen a smile on the face and, and, you know, a couple of sing songs from them and a little spring in the step. So, you know, you, you wish them well um, up until the 21st of October. And then I'm sure we'll bring them back down to earth for the a very very heavy bump I'm just loving this idea of him having like two two games two wins everything's alright now singing songs springing the step um, all the troubles are behind them the sun's out um, you know it's all great I mean they've got this FA disciplinary hearing to come about the finances that's going to be interesting pretty soon that I believe but I don't know when we'll hear the results we're still waiting to hear what's going on with this takeover will the FA class them or the Premier League sorry class them as fit and proper owners will they actually go through with it anyway because I mean I'm not sure if they've finished the due diligence maybe that's still ongoing maybe there's stuff to find it's all gonna it's all gonna go on for a while yet and I would say you know as much as we're laughing at Everton and things you know I, I feel for them in certain ways I mean it can't, can't be great um, but then you get a guy like that on Twitter today the typical stereotypical bit of blue um, just has to have a little dig somewhere about Liverpool in his sort of you know angry little way um, I just find it funny. You get it so often, um, and it does make us laugh. But what makes us smile even more, I would say, is watching our own players, those lads in red, doing what they do and doing what they do so well. That's three, one now, four times in a row. I've no idea whether that's happened before. It feels like it's not something that would have done. Um, maybe someone will find out. Maybe someone will let us know. But it's not just the three ones that we've had we've had this nice unbeaten run that game against Chelsea feels a long time ago now at the start of the season um, you know where's this season going to take us well the smile on the faces tell you that as it stands it looks like it's going to take us somewhere decent but we'll see but what we're going to do is we're going to enjoy the games as they come we've got some big games to come might be a little while before we're back because the way that the timing of things are but we'll definitely be back um, very soon definitely be back before that derby game but for us for now that is it as always thanks to jay and thanks to you for listening we will see you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it.
You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.